Hello everyone and welcome to the one year anniversary, oh my god, of Gathering of Gotchas, the only podcast that focuses exclusively on the games your parents don't want you to play. I'm Galen, the sound guy Firestone. I'm Radical, happy anniversary. And I'm Dez, I wasn't here for the, at the beginning, but... Happy anniversary, guys. I guess hey, I wasn't now. here either. Doesn't mean I can't be happy for the podcast. <laughs> Very true. I Fair enough. tried to grab Ryan. Unfortunately, he's working and Kite is still dealing with his uh, mic issues and the fact that the new mic that we bought for him has not been delivered to him yet. Again, because this virus is destroying everything good and holy in the world. Well, we do have the restriction being progressively lifted in France, so there's that. Yeah, we're starting to see some reflect uh, some restrictions lifted here in California as well, which is nice. Uh, yep. Hopefully, hopefully this doesn't result in a major backslide. But um, yes, just because the restrictions are being lifted, you still have to take all the precautions you reasonably can do and stay safe. Correct. Correct. Your health and for other is people. Exactly. Thank you. Dad. Correct. Please and be safe out there, guys. For keeping everyone safe. Indeed. Anyway, this is going to be kind of a weirder episode than usual because we're actually relatively light on specific game topics, but relatively heavy on actual, like, content topics. So, uh, I think that's a good fit for this time because I kind of don't want to talk about specific games to a really deep dive level. Yeah, agreed. Let's just yeah. get this over with and yeah. get to the topics and then have an excellent episode. One I more. like that plan, so let's go ahead and start with our Sounds FFBE recap of the week. And uh, Cloud and Tifa, y'all. Yeah, not just any Cloud and Tifa. Uh, the Advent Children versions of these. Which I'm okay with because I actually kind of like Advent Children Tifa a little better than regular Tifa, though... That's in part because she had the best fight scene in that whole movie. She absolutely did. With the best music remix of oh, this yeah. movie. Oh, yeah. That piano mix of the uh, regular battle theme. That was so good. With the victory fanfares, the phone ringing at the end. <laughs> no, that was that was all just wonderful. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so let's start with T5 then. Sounds good. Uh, I'm seeing a Stardust Ray Chainer. Just a lot of Stardust yes, Ray. They both are tra Stardust Ray Chainers. Uh, Tifa has a bit of a special spot when it comes to gearing in particular. Because she is, of course, a fist user. Mm -hmm. Primarily. But uh, her TMR, while it is her gloves, they count as an accessory. And her STMR is a materia. Oh, that uh, is interesting. Yet yeah, to be more precise, the accessory is 45 attack, uh, 50 uh, TDH, and increased counter chance. While the SMR is 80% fist mastery and 3LB gauge per turn. Both of those uh, seem pretty, so pretty solid, solid, if unspectacular. But basically, TDH fist users mean that you can gear exactly one Tifa. Because the best two-handed uh, fists in the game are still Aegean's reward. Well, scorn of Aegean's reward. Yep. So, okay. So you can't really chain her with herself, but that's kind of fine for a person like me who doesn't really like using internal dupes. Yeah, especially since Stardust Way is getting more and more fluffed up uh, as uh, uh, 
as a chain family, and she has the ability to... Uh, well, her main damage skill is non-elemental, meaning that you can use external imbues and chain her even with uh, elements that aren't her primary... Uh, uh, the ones she can self-imbue uh, and uh, imperil. These elements being water, of course, gotta have dolphin blow in there, and thunder. There you go. I was also thinking, uh, as you guys were talking about it, that also with Dark Visions having just released, it's not that big of a deal that you can't chain in with herself, since yeah, but... you can't use two of her on Dark Visions anyway. Yeah, exactly. Which is why I uh, clarified uh, this part about how uh, she can have some flex elemental flexibility with imbues, right. because I really felt hard the way uh, Edel couldn't do that, because she is very much locked to the Earth element because mm. of uh, beloved Edel, her exclusive mm -hmm. gun being uh, Earth elemental. Right. right. Although didn't... Uh... Didn't she get, like, I, I remember a couple weeks ago, a couple yeah, episodes ago. Yeah, she also has uh, dark damage moves. Well, what I meant was a couple weeks ago we talked about some random person ending up being a good chain partner for her, and I'm trying to remember who that is. Uh, was it a limited unit? I feel like it was a couple episodes I ago. I think it was if we train. Okay, that works. No, I mean, he is a... Uh... Earth Elemental status way chainer, same way as uh, King Rain is. That would do it. Anyway, so uh, her rotation is uh, pretty simple. She has a pretty straightforward kit. Uh, buff up a little the main attack with cooldowns, then just spam it away with triple cast. Okay. Uh, she does have some interesting unlocks, including some bird killers for some reasons. I feel like that for some reason has to do with the Bahamut fight, but Bahamut was a dragon in that movie, so I'm not really sure yeah. why bird killer is a thing she and has. He is a dragon. This Bahamut is also a dragon in the game, since that's the raid boss we have to farm. I mean, that's kind of really the only, like, actual boss in that game, up to the point of using the actual boss theme in that game, in that movie, up to the point of using yeah. the actual boss theme in that movie, so, like, I get it. But at the same time, like, Bird Killer, that's weird. That's a weird call. Yes. Sometimes, I guess you just have to punch a bird. I, sure. But yeah, she does really solid damage, uh, while she's not the main draw of the banner, she definitely is not a stinker. Yeah. She is quite helpful and uh, pretty beefy. Again, I don't see anything really special here, but she could do some work. Yeah. She's pretty much the picture-perfect version of what we uh, hope and expect a new DPS unit is. And next we have Cloud. Cloud himself, which is at the top of the charts. Uh, his TMR is basically Asura's, like, drop materia, but better. Exactly. 60% attack, 30% LB damage. Yep, and then his sword is just really good. <laughs> it's amazing. It's 190 attack, and it's increased LB damage 50%. And it doesn't look and... too handed, probably because it looks like he's a dual wielder this time. 
Which is why I've seen some people actually go for eight clouds. To actually give him two of the same one? Isn't that a little weird? Don't you want one sword, one great sword for mastery purposes? But I guess whatever. Uh, you can cap it without. Okay, well, in that case, never mind. That's how long it's been since I played that that yeah. still springs to mind as being weird. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, what is weird, though, is his weapon selection. He has swords and greatsword. So far, so good. And maces, for some reason. I mean, clearly that's for the nail bat, right? Oh, right, you're right. I didn't think of that. All right, you're smarter than me. <laughs> I just remember that being a really funny weapon in FF7, and I'm like, that I feel yeah. like that was classified as a mace in this game, and they wanted to make sure he could use it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good, that's good. Hmm. Okay, so when it comes to his kit, he has... Uh, Two training families, mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, which are Stylus Way and Octaslash, because they want him to chain with Sephiroth, apparently. I that makes sense in a weird sort of way. They're yeah. supposed to be foils of each other, so why wouldn't they? Although that Sephiroth's whole thing was kind of chaining with everybody. I remember he had Octaslash and Divine Ruination. I don't remember if he had. He had a few others. others. He he had like. Four or five chain families, if I remember right. It's, it's been a long time, but let me let me just double check real quick. All um, right. DR, onion slice, quick hit, and AMOE. Okay. And DR. I stand corrected. Yeah, yeah. He's he was all over the place, and that was very intentional. Yes. But Octa Slash was still a little bit his signature move. I mean, it's named after one of his moves. Um. I think. Am I missing something? Because I'm not seeing Octus. Oh, yeah, Octus Slash is on his sword. Yes. It's the yeah. skill bestowed by his weapon. Right. Yes. I was actually looking at his actual skills, which are a bunch yeah, of things yeah. that aren't that. <laughs> that. Right. That was a weird one, too. Okay, cool. No. So, it comes yes, he to... was the original. He, meaning his TMR, was, <laughs> was the original yes. Octus Slash Shader. <laughs> right, and then actually you got a lot of love at Global Exclusive stuff. I remember, like, the Lunar New Year guys would use Octus Slash quite a bit as well. Yeah, and I think Onion Knight had the uh, Awakened Onion Knight that he's uh, had it as an alternative. Not 100% sure, but it hasn't been one of the most prominent uh, chain family, which is why it's a bit surprising to see it, but not unwelcome. Yeah, no, I like variety. I'm happy with that. Yeah. Variety is always good, especially if, you know, the damage on the moves is relatively similar. Yeah. It just makes for easier putting teams together and all, a lot of stuff that, you know, variety is yeah. almost never a bad thing, especially when you're placing teams down. I've had kind of a love-hate relationship with the chaining system in FFBE basically since it started coming into prominence. But um, anytime you can make a decision for a character that gives them a lot of different options and a lot of different compositions, that's always a good thing for me. That's one of the main reasons I used Sephiroth for so long is because he had so much variety and could chain with a whole mm. bunch of people. Yeah. Now, one thing to clarify is that I, uh, AC Cloud isn't primarily ha a chainer. He does have these Octa Slash and Starter Sway chains. He does have even chains on his elemental imbue for earth and uh, light. But his main use, as the TMR and STMR suggest, is as an LB damage dealer. Yep. 
which because makes sense. that's a 34 times LB with 50% defense ignore, and that self buffs the L the LB damage for the next time, and also gives him pretty much uh, everything he needs to just keep going. Um, the one question I have is, uh, does this Omni Slash chain with OG Cloud's Omni Slash? It absolutely does not. As you can check, it has just five hits, which is way less than the original Omni Slash. Oh, yeah, it has five hits. That's really, really low. I mean, it is named Omni Slash version 5. I mean, yeah, but Omni Slash is all about hitting 1,800 times. That's kind of its whole thing. And if it only hits yeah. five, that's kind of depressing. The name itself just implies lots of hits. It, it does. Just gonna exactly. say. I will say, though, on a mechanical standpoint, when it's not a full finisher, it still has uh, its attacks that are close enough together that it can be used as that. And for Dark Vision, finishers are very useful. Yeah, because it's all about the maximization thing. Alright, okay. I was also thinking with his TMR and STMR, both of them boost his LB damage, right? Exactly. Yeah. Or so, anyone that equips it. Right. Well, yeah. But I was also thinking just with how, uh, with him having 44 times that also ignores half of their defense, and then you equip on his TMR and his STMR, and you take that's a lot of damage. Yes. <laughs> that is why he's used as an LB damage, because his main kit's damage is really solid. It included some kills, some uh, skills that actually use his LB crits. Mm -hmm. But uh, his main use is absolutely as an LB damage monster. Yeah, and that it makes sense why he's topping the charts with that high of damage numbers. You yeah, know, exactly. It's 88% plus all the extra LB damage you can get on him is a lot. Exactly. It's, it's lot. kind of the same reason why Seed is still so good, no matter how old the unit is. Mm -hmm. Because you can uh, top pretty much any unit's uh, TDH or TDW and uh, base attack at this point. Which mm -hmm. means that you have to search other avenues to increase damage, which right. is either jump damage mm -hmm. or long chains, which is the basis plus base stat, or many casts or heal LB damage. Well, there you go. All right, and then we have also the free unit, which is pretty decent actually. Oh, that's always it's, good to hear. Yeah, it's Kadaj. Uh, he's a uh, TMR and STMR, which has, which are of course free if you farm enough. Right. Are uh, twenty-five uh, percent true double wield with a fifty percent LB increase materia. Nice. And by one hundred and seventy-four attack katana uh, with some relatively irrelevant self buffs. It's relatively irrelevant, but still not the worst thing on the planet. I mean, I'd rather. Yeah, have I mean, it than I, not. that's a that's a pretty decent weapon. Like, yeah, yeah. that's you know, for for anybody that is, you know, relatively new or trying to build up their gear set, that's a really good weapon for yep. 
you know, is it is it one-handed or two-handed? One-handed. One-handed. Because okay. he's a dual wielder, so, so that makes sense. Well, I figured, but I I have to ask because sometimes they don't necessarily, you know, True. make them match. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that's a great weapon to uh, to give to any double-hander yep. or triple-hander. That's very as interesting. The, as for the unit itself, uh, if you compare him with Tifa, the modifiers are lower, but uh, he has pretty much an entire new DPS units kit. Yeah. He has a cooldown that unlocks a triple cast with perfect uptime. He has some self-imbue, self-imperils on the same attack for Dark Elemental and Wind Elemental. And uh, he has a chain family that's still very relevant, which is absolutely pretty. So yeah, he doesn't have the highest modifiers. And there's this weird kill, which is an IMOE chain that also somehow uses expert uh, uh, points. I feel like that has to do with the fact that he summoned Bahamut. Yeah, I mean, the skill is named Peter Flair, yeah. so yes. Clearly that's the thing. It just seems weird, because we're not exactly going to see Bahamut show up and do the thing, unless I'm really missing something. That'd be cool. But, uh, yeah, he even has a 130% window dark imperial on his LB. Which is right up his alley. No, that's actually a yeah. pretty... That's so actually like, a pretty reasonable kit. Like, that's actually... Yeah. Modifiers aren't huge, but otherwise it's an entire unit's kit. He would probably have been the, the kind of unit that we'd have appreciated fully, like, only a few months ago. Yeah. And just like usual, he's exceptional for new characters. Or new, sorry, he's exceptional for new players. Exactly. Easy to gear. Uh, I mean, some sources of true dual wield are better, but uh, he does have some decent innates. Yeah. He's a very he's good starter no, character. He's no Xeno easy way to gear up, but uh, he's really solid. Sounds good to me. I'm not hearing anything I dislike about him. Exactly. And then we also have the the four-star base dual unit, which gives you a 130 dark attack gun with innate 20% attack up and one LB gauge per turn. Might as well. It's not terrible. Yeah. It's Yesu and Lo's dual unit, by the way. Yeah, I, I can see that. It's, um... Yeah, this is... A four star, very much a four yeah, star. And, uh, like, it's a nice tool to have if you need to have a dark elemental gun. I don't think there's anything better. The only other dark elemental gun I can think of is a toxic shotgun, and that was part of an event and true and uh, double handed. And like two years ago. Yeah, yeah, it had like ninety five attack. Yeah, that's real useful these days. Oh yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, was that the that the toxic shotgun? I feel like exactly. Yeah, was that from Tomb Raider or was that from? I think Just it was. I think it was Tomb Raider. I yeah. think it's Tomb Raider. I remember yeah, there was a strat where you actually wanted to put that on. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Light Lord. There was yeah. some weird strat where it was good for her for some reason. Uh, no, no, I believe that was for Quasar, which was Quasar. Uh, no, I know that gun. one. Yeah. 
No, there was some, like, weird double-hand strat that someone came up with that actually worked for her. Oh, didn't know about that then. Yeah, I remember it was on the Reddit. Oh, God, it was so long since I thought about this. And it was some weird double-hand gun that somehow just made her work. Like, it shouldn't have, but it did. It was one of those situations. Hey, maybe it could uh, come back when she uh, becomes a new vision. I, I cannot wait to see point. that. Uh, I will say, though, very briefly on New Visions, we finally know a bit more about some more units that got uh, New Vision, including, of course, a new Wayne that becomes CEO. Sure. And uh, the enhancement for Dark Veritas, which nice. is a bit disappointing stylistically. Aww. Because a lot of us expected either going uh, full, drop the armor, become Wagon, or just... Uh, even maybe swap to the uh, Ice Veritas, uh, well, right. Force Veritas armor or something like that. But no, he just changes stances and gets bigger black flames. That is a little disappointing. Yeah. Um, I hope they really get more and more loose with the creative potential that the form shift allows. Yeah, that'd be nice. Uh... Okay, what does uh, what does Tifa's other stance look like? Like, I don't think we discussed that last week. Uh, I think she goes from true dual wielder to uh, true double hand, but I'm not one hundred percent sure. All I know is that she hits hard. Good like, for the JP meta standouts. Good, that's what I like to hear. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know, I haven't heard anything about Red 13, though, so I guess he's a little bit behind. Sure. I don't know, other than big shout-outs to Max Middleman for playing him, I've never really cared about Red 13 in any appreciable fashion. Yeah, but uh, maybe it could have been the sleeper hit from this banner, but no, doesn't look like it. Okay, well, can't win them all. I will say uh, this is uh, relevant because uh, soon after the announcement of Neo Vision in Global, we had uh, the uh, AC event. And with that, the fact that they give us two things uh, during the event, one on the first day, one on the last day, if you uh, have your login bonus every day, the first being uh, essentially a special select summon ticket that allows you to pick any FF7 unit. Ooh. And the other that lets you pick any FF7 unit's prism. Okay. So yeah, so it may be relevant to, for instance, uh, to prepare for the future potential of Tifa and Red 13. I mean, I can think of no better way to handle it. If Tifa's hitting that hard, then sounds like that's a good match. Can Tifa chain with Tifa? By that I mean, can... I don't think so, because I know uh, original Tifa's mostly DR, and this one seems to be mostly Stardust Ray, but I should ask yeah. if there's any sort of synergy between the Tifas. Uh, there isn't any synergy I know of between the Tifas. Maybe in her Brave Shifted form. But yeah. uh, I haven't looked it up real close, because... Uh, I think it will be better to discuss the details of the units even for shifted when they release in global. Which will be a while yeah. from now. <laughs> yeah. 
even though there is a theory floating around that we may get this uh, earlier, like during our anniversary event, because of the way they've churned out the main unit CG uh, one after the other, uh, skipping entire events. Like, we still haven't had any season three related banner at all. Interesting. Even though we're on early chapter two of the story. Um, interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I long ago stopped trying to figure out what the heck Gumi's schedule is going to look like. Yeah. At this point, I'm not even on that train. My team for the hat train is that we're going to uh, get uh, Global Original United Hard in the coming weeks. Because it's been a while since we haven't had a new uh, Global Exclusive Unit. Yeah. And, uh, we... Last I mean, year, there was that big stretch of, like, event after event. And... Yeah, with Esther and Zeno, and now we've had uh, pretty much the cooldown version of it. I mean, Zeno's enhancement have been announced, uh, and they could be good. Uh, we don't know the details yet. Esther's apparently weren't, which makes me incredibly yeah. sad, because I like her a lot. Esther was... I mean, let me put it like this. She was better in her pre-released version where she had the self 120% LB buff than she is now in her released versions after en enhancements. That is distressing. Yes. Like, they already had something that would make her relevant. Not overpowered, but relevant. Because at time of release, uh, she would have been about as good as King Glasswell. That's pretty good. Yeah, and King Glasswell isn't at the top of the charts now. This is the perfect spot for an enhanced unit. That's pretty much the kind of spot uh, Tifa yeah. was in when she was enhanced. And instead, they just completely missed the mark with her. That even makes me sad. Know, yeah, even though they know people like her, they made a popularity poll, and she came second just behind Elena. Okay, I'm I'm willing to accept that. So yeah, I don't know. I I wonder if that means they're planning CG Esther or something silly like that. Uh, I. I mean, CG Esther is doubtful because this popularity poll was precisely for a new version of an existing global original unit. Wait, why did Elena win that? Because people are stupid and voted without reading the fine print. Okay. And a true popularity poll, that would have made sense. But uh, that's why a lot of people, me included, campaigned for Ling. That's a good... Yeah, I remember this now. No, I didn't no, realize I... that was the poll you were talking about. Oh, man. Yeah. That's a poll. I know uh, Elena won it and Essa came second. So they know people like her, even in the face of common sense. Cool. So, yeah, I I think there's going to be some big global exclusive hit one way or another, either through the enhancements or early Neo Vision, and suddenly there's a Neo Vision version or form-shifted version of Esther of, or Roberta or something like that. Oh, that would be interesting. Okay. Yeah. I could totally see a Roberta 
writing a grown version of the dragon because we know already that a sprite that rides a dragon is possible since that's exactly what uh, Dark Bahamut Finest sprite is going to be. Okay. So yeah, I think right now as exciting as uh, AC Cloud is, it's it feels like a prelude to something bigger. Well, it'll be interesting to see what that prelude results in. And yep. uh, yeah, for sure. Who knows? Gumi's been making some generally good decisions lately, although you know, yeah. not even they are batting a thousand these days. Things have been slower since the beginning of the virus for very understandable reasons. Oh, yeah, no, I don't expect anything to go that hard. Yeah. Yeah. If there were plans and they were delayed because of that, that's entirely understandable. Yes. And they even communicated about it. Yeah. Communication having been historically before, uh, more than a year ago, their biggest weak point, and now it's not a weak point anymore. Uh, very agreed. So, yeah. Intriguing things ahead. Uh, let's hope so, anyway. Let's hope, indeed. Now, shall we move on to Arknights? Sure. sure. So, we had the challenge stages come out in Arknights for this event, uh, Surging Flame. And these challenge Lord. stages are hard. I enjoyed all of them. Until I got to the last challenge stage, EX6. Now, now one question I'd like to ask you. Yes. Uh, are they hard to clear at all, or are they easy to clear, but very hard to clear perfectly? They're pretty hard uh, to I clear I would say hard all. to clear pretty much at all, yeah. Like, even the regular version, not even the challenge version, right? Yeah. I could, I could have done the regular version more easily, but I was trying to come up with a strategy that would work for both the regular and the challenge version, right? Because I knew the challenge version, I was going to have to clear it. Um, and in my case, I skipped that phase, and I just I yeah. cleared it the first time, and then mastered that, and then turned around and went, okay, now what do I do for the challenge, and adjust it accordingly. Yeah. So, you know, it's... Um, the challenge mode maps are really hard. Yes. Especially. Uh, I spent um, a good three days streaming these challenge mode stages, and find I'm still not completely done with one of them. I still need to get EX5 challenge done. I've done EX6 mm -hmm. at EX6 Challenge, thank goodness. And Des, I know you just finished that, like, last night? Uh, yeah, I finished that basically early this morning. Um, that stage, bro. I was yeah. trying for probably four days. That stage to is come serious. Up to not, not all of the Daily Sanity, but I was practically losing my mind on that stage. Just so on the subject of spending your... sanity. Yeah, you are losing your sanity both in-game and out of the game. Exactly. <laughs> uh, oh, I like Lord. the way this stamina meter is named. I, I Yeah, it's, it, it's very interesting. It makes for some good jokes. <laughs> Although it, yeah, it, it does also imply sense. that my... It does also imply that the doctor is a major antidepressants addict because I am popping potions to restore sanity a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of funny. 
there's uh, some other stuff that I've heard about the story that's spoilers that I won't say, but um, yeah, um, yeah. But these these uh, challenge events are really hard. I ended up using not an exactly a guide, but basically something that gave some tips. So I en I ended up having a different like uh, maze layout than Galen or some of the other people who yeah. are uh, playing it on, you know. A Discord that I'm in, but um, it was rough. Yeah, that last one was rough. There is so much going on and so much to like pay attention to. Uh, my strat on that last one was basically just maximize firepower, almost literally. <laughs> um, one of the interesting, tricky things I learned about this, and this is where the game's skill system really came in handy. The uh. This particular stage, I found, really didn't like burst damage. It really liked sustained damage, which is not something you think about. Um, but I was noticing that most of my leaks were coming from uh, when I had uh, burst skills on skills cooldown. Skills on cooldown? Yeah. yeah. So once I decided to go, okay, we'll do less powerful skills but come out way more often, it actually came together relatively quickly. Yeah. Um. Which is kind of interesting that even for a game like this, that sort of distinction actually made a very drastic difference. Oh, yeah. And that just shows you kind of how deep the strategy really is in this yeah. game. Hey, it's a silly tower defense game. No, it's, it's, no, not. it's not. You have to really work. <laughs> I love it's that. It's on with a challenge. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So and um, I you you also see like different people's strategies kind of shine in different ways and show off different units mm -hmm. as well. Um, for instance, I know Galen will often like to use you know multiple vanguards, right? Yes. They're basically a cheap unit that comes out early, and usually they'll generate uh, points that you can then use to deploy other units. Yeah, right. this comes from its predecessor game where I had a pair of vanguards who basically came out in every uh, level because yeah. they also gave global buffs to everybody while they were at it. Mm. And uh, in my case, a lot of the time, I actually only use one vanguard. Like, that's my primary strategy unless I try a level and I see, okay, I need two or more people to come out really fast. If I need more people to come out really fast, I'll swap some of my other team members out for vanguards. Um, but, like, even just that one little thing, you it changes the strategy for the stage so much. It really does. Um, one of the things I like about the vanguards, and one of the reasons I use them, is that Elite 2, they tend to buff each other very highly. So you Ooh, end up... Images. Yeah, so... Uh, so, like, yes. in Magic the Gathering, there's this thing, I think it's called, like, Slivers or something. It's each thing would give a buff to everything else. Exactly. Yeah, Vanguards kind of have that. Not to that same degree, but eventually yes, you start getting... crazy. Yeah, you get most, if not all, of the, like, higher-end Vanguards. You are going to end up with a very, very beefy and cheap... <laughs> team so do they buff only each other or do they buff uh the whole team vanguards tend to only buff each other 
Yeah. Okay. That's the that's actually that's they're not the only ones that do that. No. Um, like for instance, I know with snipers, uh, for instance, Schwartz, um, who just came out, when she's at, um, I think it's at E two, but it could be at E one. I don't remember for sure. Uh, I'll check in a moment. But basically, when she's on the team, and there's at least one other um, sniper sniper ally on the map uh then all of the snipers that are on the map get an attack speed buff yeah and and snipers is in serious quotation marks here i kind of disagree with that because one of my favorite snipers it has a shotgun and doesn't snipe anything and he's actually very close range yeah um basically basically they're the the primary ranged uh physical attackers yeah so yeah, we call those pro- tribal synergies mostly. Tribal yeah. synergies, I like that. Okay, so the talent is an E2, and I misremembered. It's not attack speed; it's an eight percent attack buff. That's that they all get. pretty solid, especially at the higher numbers. Like I know Exusii, who's my best archer right now, my best sniper. Let me just take a look. She has uh, five hundred and seventy-one. So that's another like mm-hmm. that's another forty, like, forty or yep. fifty attack. Yeah. And then Schwartz, who's not even E2 yet for me, is still E1, but she is level 80, ready to be E2'd once I have the stuff. Uh, she has 732 attack. Yeah. So that's what, 56? Roughly? A little bit more, but that's about right. Yeah. Attack. So, you know, you you get some pretty big numbers. And, you know, the same the same thing goes for like some many other different classes in the game um not all of them buff each other but there are often units out that will will buff you know other units of the same you know categorization basically yeah and i feel like vanguards really uh benefit from this especially largely because they are so cheap and their stats tend to be middling to good you start Mm -hmm. stacking those buffs and they become a very very powerful army and they tend to be relatively tanky and yeah. have good HP, so they can usually take a good amount, at least of physical damage, not so much of arch damage. But Yeah, like Siege, who's absolutely my favorite character in the game. Uh, one of the things I was doing that I was kind of failing with, uh, with EX6 was I was actually pulling her in favor of a harder attacker named Chen. And when I actually beat the stage, one of my decisions was, you know what, I'm just going to let Siege keep doing her AoE thing, and it turns out that was the right move. Mm-hmm. Um, and she costs 14, which is, like, nothing in this game. You could almost deploy Chen her immediately. Is fantastic, and she hits like a truck oh, Chen whenever is her amazing. skill goes off. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, Chen is amazing. Uh, very solid. I really like her as well. Um, yeah, no, the, the real issues I run into is just sometimes the strategy is a little hard to see and sometimes it isn't. It's, it's, I know that's a weird thing to say, but, uh, EX6 in particular took a lot of dialing in to an almost disturbing degree. Yeah, I, like, one of the things that was so frustrating for me, um, so I used Ifrit on my clear Mm -hmm. and 
there were some enemies in the stage that basically can't be blocked. They're not that uncommon of an enemy, but this stage had a lot of them. And with very specific spacing on when they came out, right? Um, and it turned out that in order to get my clear of the challenge mode, I basically had to get Ifrit down at pretty much the perfect time. Yeah, your because, timing was super Because tight. I needed uh, Ifrit to hit those Urgates with her skill, which was coming out roughly every, you know, six or seven seconds, in order to kill all of them. Yeah. Boy, that's gotta be satisfying when things click that perfectly, though. Oh, it is. It feels it, so good when it comes it together. Feel, it felt really good to finally beat it. But good grief, was it super frustrating while I was trying to do it. Like, <laughs> I was watching Dennis borderline meltdown on, on Discord. To it was... give people an idea, I really like, I really dislike Silver Ash. Yeah. Because of his personality. He's a jerk. En enough so that I have basically decided to literally never use him. Yeah. He's a jerk, so he's benched. Uh, I don't dislike him as much, but I certainly agree that he is a jerk, and I don't use him all that often as powerful as yeah. he is. Though I'm more willing to than... Uh... I was about to just break down and use the guy. And instead, because you went was out of your way and promoted someone else entirely. Sick and tired <laughs> of this stage that I was about ready to hit hit the. Uh, I'm done the with this button. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. And I ended up actually, literally spending like. Close to 500 uh, of the, uh, you know, the stamina, the sanity in the game and promoting someone else entirely. You did. Which is just so that I could clear that stage. That's a move, I might add. Going to promote someone to E2. Your first five-star E2, right? Yes. Yeah, that's another thing is our strategies. I've been promoting kind of all over the rarity map. Like, I have a couple four stars at Elite 2. I have a bunch of five stars and a few six stars at E2. Whereas Dez has been going just top tier units only. Until last night. <laughs> <laughs> Until literally I was like, this stage sucks. It, it really sucked. It felt really good to finally clear it. Yeah. But good lord, did it take way too much to get there. Yeah. The short version is, I, I, I guess we got kind of stuck over our various individual strategies. Uh, the thing that I kind of love about this is that the stages were actually, like, really hard and really challenging, even for people mm -hmm. who have very significant units. Yeah. And I appreciate that, because it's not a cakewalk. No, and it's not. I like the fact they make you think, and I like the fact you can't just over-level your way through it. I don't know any situation where over-leveled anything could have solved that stage. I probably would have had less timing issues 
if I had more levels. Yeah, um, but you still... But, you know... Yeah. Like, well, I mean... My clear when I, I finally have, got the strategy down was relatively clean. Like, I didn't have any real risks yeah. there. I have 10 E2s because Silver Ash doesn't count. Um, <laughs> nine of which are 6-star. And they're all level 30 or higher at E2. And I was having a really rough time on yeah. that stage. Yeah. Um... Whereas I'm busy busting out all sorts of weirdo units. Like, I actually used the free unit as part of, uh... The yep. free unit we got from this event as part of my main strat. Uh, That's line. another thing. I, I probably could have done it a little bit easier if I had just uh, placed Exu down and not worried about giving her a healer because she wasn't going to die. She wasn't yeah, taking um, any significant damage later on. The problem is because I put her out second... Uh, she was taking a few early hits. I put her out third like you did. I didn't put her out third. I put her out second. Oh, your your thing said you put her out third. Okay. I guess I read wrong. Incorrect. Executor. No. Ifrit was third. Because it was Siege over on the right side, and then Exu out to force Siege to get the buff, which was the attack and max hit points buff uh. that Exu gives, and then it was save up for Ifrit. Mm-hmm. Okay. With some roadblock shenanigans going on in the meantime. I think I, I, maybe I misread it. I thought you said Ifrit next and then Exu. I probably just misread that it. That was my original strat, and I ended up changing that. That worked way better. Ah. <clears throat> yeah, that might have worked better. Again, timing in this game makes... Like, I made very few changes compared to a strat that didn't work, compared to a strat that completely did. Oh, and yeah. those tiny changes fixed everything. Um, Exu out second... Let one guy leak over to Siege before I put up a roadblock mm -hmm. for timing reasons of her charging. Like, that was a yeah. whole skill cap thing that I could get into explain in detail, but that's pointless. And then, um, Executor on skill 2, Ifrit on skill 2, and then a Fred Ajafala on skill 2, not skill 3, because Which, skill 3 is yeah. very, very powerful. It will annihilate everything in the way, but takes forever to charge, and that caused a big problem. Mm. Yeah. But all that to say, yes, the strategy in this game is very deep, and, you know, even with the, um, you know, even just slight differences in the units that you use mm -hmm. can really change your strategies drastically. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I keep gushing about this game, and I keep doing it for a reason, because it's hard and frustrating mm -hmm. as that. Uh, stage was. I am super glad it exists because it's hard and frustrating, but once you actually figure it out, it really feels good to have it come together. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. the difficulty comes down to the strategy more than to how overpowered uh, are you, you need to, how yeah, exactly. lucky are you get your pools. Yeah, Honestly, exactly. the, the first event that came out, they recommended like a level similar to what they recommended on this event. Um, I was able to clear it without being anywhere close to that level. Like when I first cleared the maps on that uh, on that first event that they had that had you know event maps, um, I didn't have anybody to the highest promotion level E two, and they recommended the average level be like something like E two level thirty. Yeah, I remember that um, for the for the hardest stages and. I cleared it originally without anybody 
at E2? I think I had, like, one person at E2. I think, was Exu my first, or... I had, like, well, one I, person I, at E2. I, I it wasn't got critical. one to E2 during the event. But on my first clear of the event, I didn't use anybody at E2. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the higher level was not necessary at all. You need to think yeah. to, to win at this game. You don't. You can't just unga-bunga your way through it. It isn't going to work. Now, I will say it felt like the level requirement on at least the challenge maps on this one were probably much closer to what you needed. Yeah. Although, I don't know for way sure, harder. you know. Um, I don't know for sure. Maybe, maybe you could have cleared it with less. Well, it was, um, the main reason it was harder was because the composition was all over the place. You had mm. guys who couldn't be blocked, who needed to power down. You had guys with super high defense. You had guys with super high resistance. And you had mm. these annoying stun archers who would stun lock your people if you weren't careful. Those guys were really annoying. And actually, Galen's strat uh, is not exactly how I ended up beating it. Like, I, I modified his strat a little bit. But one part of it especially made them with the unit that i just promoted she mm -hmm. has uh innate region at e2 and so i put her down to be the focus for the snipers and because of her region she wasn't going to die and that uh, basically slowed the stunning the stunning snipers down enough to where uh, my other two units that were there to damage them killed them before they could get in range of my main group. Yeah, uh, that's actually... the I'm a distraction. I'm a, I literally just had one unit down in a corner just to absorb crossbow bolts. She didn't do anything else. Yep. She Same was here. just there to get smacked. I feel like Spectre may have done a little bit of damage on occasion, but, like, it was minuscule. I think Hoshi got, like, one attack off. Yeah. Uh, in my case. I just had Silence up in a corner throwing drones everywhere. I did not have a real healer for most of this. Selah was yep. just there to top off Exu and also absorb crossbow bolts, I'm gonna be honest. But then the Hoshi strat came into play, and I probably could have lived without Ceylon, maybe, but, like, I don't know. I, I, yeah. I'm fine having used the strat I did. It got through it. Yeah, same here. Um, that said, we are getting another portion of this event. They call it portion, but I gotta be honest, it doesn't feel connected to the other, the other yeah, ones. Yeah, it, it almost is kind of like a separate event. Yeah, they're calling it Surging Flame Part 3, but the right. costume isn't a summer costume. It's some, like, English Rose costume for another character. Which yep. I guess the implication is that Ceylon and Melantha went to college together in, in not Britain or something, I guess? I, I'm not sure what they're Who trying knows? to say with that. Yeah. And uh, and then the uh, and then a bunch of login rewards and a couple new banners of old characters. Yep. It's like, basically more login rewards. Um, yeah. It's, you know, it's a nothing super special, to... but just log in every day and you'll get your, your rewards. And at the end, you'll get the, uh, the costume and, yep. you know what, free stuff. Yeah, I'll it's a it. it's a downtime week to build up uh build up units and level and Pretty all that much. fun jazz, which is and fine. That's actually I really kind of like that model because a quite a number of the events are like this, right? Where you have this downtime and it's they just give you like sign in rewards or yeah. something like that. Um and that allows you the extra time that you really 
kind of need because it takes a lot to get uh, units to E2, especially if you're going for six stars. Um, and so I, I do appreciate it. And, you know, it, all, it also means that, you know, you're not getting many new units generally. You, you know, there is a banner that'll be coming up, um, but it's basically a rerun banner with yeah. uh, older units. And that also gives you a chance to get the older units, especially yeah. with the uh, the pulse system that they have where you get at least one guaranteed five-star within your first ten pulls on a banner. Yeah, and then on top of that, there's the way the Mercy system works, which is after 40 pulls, the chance 50. of you getting a six-star goes up 2% pull-pull until it gets to 100. Yeah, it's after 50 pulls, but yes. Oh, I thought it was 40. No. Oh. It basically, if you haven't gotten it in 50... 50 it would be the av 50 pulls would be the average to get one um because rng um and so if you haven't gotten a six star within 50 pulls then they start ramping up the uh the percent chance by two percent per pull until it's 100 so basically if you haven't pulled a six star Within your 99 last polls, your next poll is going to be a uh, 7. A and if star. your RNG is that bad, you have my condolences. My word, yes. <laughs> so yeah, no, they, they, they are not shy about the catch-up mechanics at all in this game. You have the Distinction yep. Shop, which I've now bought two characters from. I bought Siege, who is my favorite character, and Nightingale, who is now my top healer. Well, top non-silence, non-drones healer. One of my top healers... Honestly, Silence and Telopsis are both really good here. Um, oh, yeah. Um, but that's not really my point. I have Nightingale. Situationally, and, yeah, Nightingale is better than either one, but... You Nightingale know, just has that, all sorts of like crazy utility with her like resistance buffs, and then her phantoms that are also the I'm a distraction, I'm a distraction button, so like... Yeah, we're just yeah. talking about random things. What I'm trying to say is the catch-up mechanics are really strong in this game. It's very, 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 very free-to-play friendly. And it seems to me that the way people, like, the way they want you to spend money on the game is not through the banners, but instead through uh, the buying uh, cosmetics. Of and any, I like, believe you bought in one of those recently. Yes, uh, I actually bought into several cosmetics, uh, including, we mentioned her earlier, Ifrit, who is the one of the six stars of the game with a big old flamethrower. Uh, she's straight grilling. She just got a barbecue. And I'm just like, I love this costume so much. I, I want my skewers. Um, yeah, no, cosmetics and then base cosmetics and stuff like that. So I, I really appreciate the business model of Arknights, and I appreciate the gameplay of Arknights. I just appreciate this game. It's really a different gotcha, and I hope it I hope it stays successful for a long time. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. I, I don't even that's... play it and I like it. Hmm. Yeah. I think just... it's uh, that's about all we have for Arknights, as far yeah. as I'm aware. Gushing about the event, gushing about some characters, and getting way too interested in our various strategies for this <laughs> ridiculously difficult stage. I think we got a little too into it, but yeah, whatever. A little bit. Which brings us around to... War of the Visions. War of the Visions! War of the Visions. War of the Visions. So, uh, we're still on the uh, FFT train for now. When it comes to the event, yeah, uh, we, we're getting to the end, though. Uh, like 
it's to the point where every time you connect and uh, on top of the shop, there's a little mention that says, uh, be careful, the FFT event is coming, uh, is uh, ending soon. Which is relevant, because that means you won't be able to get the shards for the, the time-limited unit until the FFT make Rewind. the next FFT event. Mm -hmm. uh, which is going to be in uh, a few months. Uh, and that's certainly a bit annoying for me, because uh, I tried to get uh, Orlando to... Uh, well, basically to the point which I can get his TMR, which is full limit break, full awakening. And I've had just really bad luck on the shop refreshes the last couple of days, and so I'm not going to make it. Oh, darn. <clears throat> and I'm not even frustrated so much because of the fact that... Uh, I don't have an Orlando level 99 for a few months now. He's still plenty powerful where he stands, and I have all of, all of his skills, which is good. Uh, so he's still part of my team. But the part that's a bit frustrating is mostly the uh, 150 shards I went, uh, which was free card photo of the way through his last limit break before things just slowed down to a crawl. Mm. And one thing that also kind of makes that more frustrating is it wasn't really your fault. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's not like you can really farm. The only infinite source of shards at this point is Gachapult. Mm. And uh, at this point, uh, I mean, it's even the, uh, the exchange rate in the shop uh, is... Uh, very much the way to go. To give you an idea, uh, a 10 pool, which is uh, how most pools go, uh, costs 2,000 crystals. Okay. Uh, 2,000 Visio. Uh, getting 5 shards for the unit in the shop costs 250 Visio. 500 for 10 shards. And when you get a duplicate of uh, a UR unit, you get uh, 40 shards, meaning that essentially, even if you uh, pull and get the unit once every single time uh, in your pool, which is not going to happen, by the way, but even if this happened, this would be the same Visio to shards ratio as it is by just buying the shards in the shop whenever they show up. Mm. So... That's certainly a bit... It, it's tight. Time-limited units are a thing in this game, for yeah, sure. Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah. Honestly, like, like I like some of the stuff I've heard about War of the Visions. Um, yeah, no, but uh, time-limited units, uh, basically, I've gotten to this one because I didn't feel like going for the other meta, and I know who's my next objective, but... I'm probably not going to pull on a time-limited unit uh, for a long while. Mm. Highly understandable. Yeah. It really doesn't seem like... Uh... Like, if, if they gave you a way to consistently farm the shards, yeah. Yeah, like then that would be them. much more acceptable. But yeah. when it's basically, it sounds like RNG, Yeah, 
as it's far a, as a bit of RNG and what the shop refresh gives you, then that just makes it super frustrating, and it's not even your fault that you're not going to be able to do it. Yeah, and honestly, that would still have been okay by me if all Final Fantasy units were time-limited. But that looks like that's the way they're going to go, and I don't like it. I agree. I I agree. I don't like that either. That seems bad. Seems like bad design. Exactly. Uh... But I know I only have my next objective in mind, and it's neither Agrias, nor the Lita, nor Warrior of Light, nor Rain. So I'm good on that front. Even okay. though Agrias would have been tempting, but I am not going through all of that grind. Uh, even if it's just... Uh, I mean, it's not really a grind. It's more refreshes and hopes, and I'm not going through that again, even for Agrias. Yeah. No, I understand. Uh, Agrius yeah. is... If I were playing, I'd probably end up going for Agrius just out of nostalgia and inertia just because she is, like, one of my favorite Final Fantasy characters overall, pretty much all time. Understandable. She's really cool. And she not just really because cool. she's Ice Elemental in this game. Ha. Huh. Which kind of makes sense, given some of her attack animations. Stasis Sword looks Ice-ish, but it also looks Crystal-ish. It could go either way. Yeah. But Crystal's uh, not an element, so... Exactly. And uh, it turns out, uh, even though we traditionally associate crystals with uh, something related to the light, uh, we have uh, also, in the meantime, new units that came out. One of them affi- affiliated to the Crystal Sanctum, that is Dark Elemental. So, yeah, some units did come out during the Hollande craze, uh, which are uh, FFBE War of Divisions exclusives, uh, and two kind of tankish units, so more utility driven. We have Whisper, which is a Dark Elemental Knight main job, so Sword User, which is good because at this point uh, the most metal. Moots use uh, units are pretty much sword users and Frederica. <laughs> sword users and this person. I like how you put yeah. that. That's pretty much it. And it's relevant because uh, there will be another very useful g- uh, gunner going down later down the line. But for now, we still full sword fun times. Uh, so, Whisper, she is a tank mostly. Okay. And uh, unlike the current best tank in the game, which is Engelbert, she is more of a magic tank. Now, how does tanking actually work in War of the Visions? Because it's it's very much a uh, it's a it's a tactical RPG. It's not going to have like the same kind of turn based vibe to it. So I'm well. It works in two ways. One is that. If the unit simply doesn't die, it's more tanky. Uh, and then you manage uh, who attacks who thanks to uh, careful positioning. Okay. But there is also a hate stat in the game, which is aggro. Uh, but the things that increase aggro and increase uh, hate or outright taunt units 
are very rare. At this point, uh, there are only a couple of units uh, that uh, have one of those skills, one being 4-star and the other being Ramza. And Ramza is not tanky enough to be a tank. And then there's also this one vision card that passively increases your aggro. Interesting. And by the way, when I said uh, no other uh, five uh, UR units has a taunt uh, skill, that includes Whisper. Okay. Like, she does have a spell... Oh, no, never mind. She does have taunting spell. Never mind. All right. Uh, well. Which is the same skill as Ramsai, in fact. I assume she handles it better, though. Yeah, especially since it looks like uh, overall her Spellblade subjob has all of her Magic Resist kit. And all her kits throughout the jobs are pretty weird because of the Faith mechanic. The, because units with low Faith uh, take uh, less from healing spells and take less from magic damage as well, so you want her to work as a magic tank, to have low faith. But faith also dictates how, uh, how big of a magic damage uh, you inflict, and your chance to inflict uh, debuffs and status effects. And her kit is loaded with breaks and status effects and things like that, and if she has low faith, she can't use any of these effectively. Huh. That sounds very FFT, which is Utterly yep. unsurprising. Yeah. Exactly. So she has inbuilt anti synergy. It's great. <laughs> but if you use her purely as a, a magic tank uh, and a tank in general, for that matter, uh, she seems to be pretty useful and can be a surprising addition, especially for a, a defense team. The other problem. Mm hmm is that at the moment uh, we have exactly one UR magic damage dealer, which is Mediana, and her strength lies in clearing large drives of mob, not in dealing high single target damage. Mm -hmm. okay. So we have a magic tank, but no need for a magic tank for the next four months. Great. So basically, she's a unit that innately kind of makes sense. I mean, having 25% innate reduction to all types of damage, it's never going to be entirely bad. Right. right. But she basically doesn't fit any world that needs feeling at the moment. And the other unit on the banner is Ketone. Since the name, the game is voice acted, we know it's pronounced Ketone and not Ketone, and I'm endlessly annoyed by it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she also is uh, kind of tanky-ish, and another type of uh, tank, which is Evade Tank. Because she's a ninja main job, and has a strong passive evade, some ways to increase her evade. Her TMR also increases her evade, 
and with all of that stacked on top of each other, she can deal some decent damage, not top tier but pretty good, while also dodging things that come her way. Okay. And the, the time of her release is interesting, because um, at the moment, the, we, I mean, we didn't have any real evade tank unit for now. The best evade unit we had was Shadow Links, and she is uh, not a UR, she is an SSR, the rank just under it. Okay. So, uh, meaning that Kitone is the first unit that can do this at that level, but the uh, permanent units released before them included Frederica, which has some innate skills that allow, uh, that allow her to have guaranteed hits on a unit. Guaranteed and, is good. Yeah, meaning that she bypasses evade. That's excellent. Yeah. Oh. And I honestly like the order they released this, because we have the unit that fulfills a niche that don't uh, need filling yet, and then we have the unit that can trump most of the other units, but already has a counter in the game. Given that the game's PvP is pretty relevant, uh, I like the way they ordered things around, because if she was on her own, Kitone could, uh, Kitone could pretty easily has, uh, have, uh, well, make some entire teams feel uh, completely irrelevant. Mm-hmm. I kind of appreciate that, but I'm also kind of terrified of that. Yeah. Uh, and even with that, uh, she also she still has a little bit of an advantage because she's Earth Elemental, which is strong against Lighting Elemental units, such as Frederica and Orlando. But the next gunner, which also will have guaranteed hits, is Wind Elemental, which is the other way around. Huh. So, I don't know how planned this order of release was on a game design standpoint, but I really like it. This sounds deliberate, to be honest. Yes. Especially if they know that their PvP system is, you know, kind of important yeah, like, in the game. There are three different forms of PvP in this game. Three. Oh boy. Yeah, because there's the uh, arena, which has a uh, new unit find another unit, your uh, team find another team automatically. Mm -hmm. There's uh, the other battles that I never do and that I don't remember even remember the name of, which mm -hmm. are the same three versus three, but this time everybody controls the units, which make the battles take longer. Okay. And then the and then there are guild battles, which is basically a set of arena fights against another guild, and uh, it's to whom the manages to kill more of the other team's units. Are those also <laughs> auto, or are they controlled? Also auto. Okay. So, yeah, and all three of these give different kinds of currency that have... Uh, different forms of relevancy. Guild medals are good all around, while uh, the other two uh, currencies uh, benefit different types of weapons enhancement, which are also very important. Uh -huh. 
what also is important besides units is some vision cards in particular the ones that are going to be released later uh, this week at time okay. of recording uh, which include uh, some pure vision cards that I honestly don't really care about because it pays in comparison to the really cool one, which is Odin, which comes with the Esper itself, of course. Oh, okay. In JP, Odin released alongside Ketone and Whisper. This time they've staggered it a little. Uh, I don't dislike this. Do you have to pull for vision cards? or? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, basically when you pull, you can get both units and vision cards. And then there are some banners, uh, in particular paid banners, that are you are guaranteed a vision card or you are guaranteed a unit. So there is a bit of a split, but it's soft. It's not uh, you either only get one or only get the other. Okay. And uh, as for Odin, so already his uh, vision card itself is pretty good because it has human killers. And uh, as we mentioned, PvP is a big thing. And yeah. what other units other people are using? Humans. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, are, full there party single target. are there any non-human usable characters? Uh, none that come to mind, no. Okay. So human killer is basically here's some free damage. Yeah, which is very acceptable. And the full party single target attack resist uh, is pretty nice too. Because each vision card has uh, an effect only for the unit that equipped it and a full party effect. And as for the Esper itself, uh, it's also very good because it also has some more human killers and some slash buff, which is great because, uh, as I've said, most of the great units right now are slash damage dealer because they use swords. It also has resist to slash damage and to missile damage, which is literally all of the relevant damage dealers right now. <laughs> okay and it also helps that he has uh, the highest agility uh, of any spells uh, in the game agility being the stats that lets you take actions and taking actions is pretty good yeah usually taking actions would be good as opposed to you know not taking actions which means sitting on your tokus which is less I good which is why Irene is so bad, because she hits like a truck, but only once every three months. That does sound problematic. Yes. Uh, so yeah, Odin is certainly something to look forward to if you haven't... If you either dodge the FFT banner, or just uh, still somehow have resources. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably up. because you are whale. <laughs> because I really don't see how else you could save for that much. Uh, but yeah, so Odin is a good thing to look forward to. And that's pretty much it for War of the Visions. 
Sounds good. So we're going to be talking about something a little differently today. We are actually kind of doing two main topics. Um, first one, we've been seeing a very, like, an increased amount of multimedia crossover with some of these gotcha games. Um, I don't think we've actually talked about this before. One of the big ones is Fate Grand Order. They've released now, what, a series and two movies? Uh, I mean, Fate as a license started as a different game. and Oh, uh, yeah, no, no. Fate as an been... overall license is gigantic, but I mean specifically adaptations of the gacha game storyline as a series and two movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is kind of incredible. We just saw some sort of clip, I guess, of an FFBE anime. Do I have that right? Uh, uh, World Divisions anime. Yeah. I, I don't think it's actually supposed to lead to something full length or anything, but it was named a PV, which is short for preview. Yeah. Um, and just kind of, um, and then on another example, Azure Lane, they're releasing like a real game on the PS4 called Crosswave. I don't know anything about it other than it exists. But that's another yeah. gotcha game, and that's releasing, like, a spinoff that isn't gotcha at all. And then we also had uh, Grunblue, which has yeah. the Axiom fighting game, and had another uh, Warriors-ish game that is in development limbo, I believe. Yeah, uh, I know some of the background details of that one. Apparently Platinum was going to do the game, and then for some reason... Um... Crud, I forgot the name of the company that runs Granblue, and it's on the tip of my tongue. Uh, Psy Games. Psy Games, thank you. Psy Games pulled the plug on that for some reason, and I don't quite understand why, because I was liking what I was seeing on that one, but... Whatever. Yeah, I was liking it a lot as well. Yeah, so we're seeing this increasing thing where gacha games are almost the startup now for an increased multimedia, uh, multimedia presence along a lot of different platforms. Which is both awesome and kind of terrifying, but also kind of heartwarming, because I'm much more comfortable playing something like Versus, or playing something like Crosswave, or playing something, or, God forbid I ever watch an anime again, watching, you know, watching the Babylonia series instead of playing the Babylonia arc in, uh, in Fate Grand Order, and hmm. spending money to have to do it. In the example of Grand Blue in particular, I think that one is especially notable, because... Uh, it was your uh, original universe. Yes. And uh, it literally was the starting point, and from there managed to grow with enough influence, enough connections, and enough uh, popular presence to make it uh, good enough for uh, some other products. Yeah. Like... Fate goes in circles. That started as a visual novel, became an anime, got a whole bunch of, like, books and other shows, and then the game, then this game happened, and now they're expanding off of that. And it made all of the money. And it made all of the money. It turned Fate into a multi-billion, that's billion with a B, dollar franchise. Yeah. Um, to which now they can afford to do uh, the Babylonia series with a full SAG dubcast, which is very expensive. Like, you see a lot of uh, SAG waiver and a lot of ultra-low budget and a lot of just flat-out not-union stuff. Blade but... of Salvation! Oh, 
that's not even, well, that's not even a dub dub. That was still a Japanese actor that just won fluent in English. That's not the same thing that I'm talking about now. Yes. Basically speaking, if you're doing a adaptation of a gacha game and you can afford Crispin Freeman as a series regular who is both very expensive and union only, which means all of your cast has to be union, otherwise SAG will come down on you like a hammer. Um, you are throwing a lot of money at this. And uh, I think it's worth it if it gets more eyes to the game. Because I, as we've said, yeah, the game no. makes all of the money. So it makes sense to have presence in other media to attract attention. To no, it. I certainly believe that. But from where I'm sitting, I'm just like, I'm happy it just exists in other ways. Oh, yeah. Like, like if they we did can some also look of... at it the yeah. other way. Where uh, if you like the universe but fear for your spending habits, for instance, you can still enjoy, say, the Grand Blue universe by paying for a $60 fighting games and having a game. Yeah, I would, I would, if I was a fighting game guy, I would seriously consider Grand Blue Fantasy Versus because it sounds cool. It's just fascinating to see how these, how these, um, franchises are evolving, especially something like Grand Blue or even. Weird as it is, like Azor Lane, which is basically yeah. a Chinese ripoff of Cantal Collection, if I understand the situation correctly. Which also had an anime, by the way, and it was terrible. I didn't know that, but then again, I really only know of its existence via Twitter, so that doesn't really surprise me. I knew I watched uh, exactly half an episode with someone, and then we both agreed that well, time would be better spent not watching it. Fair enough. Um... Hornick says, I wouldn't mind if it was by professionals. <laughs> Fair. Fair. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, I kind of love that. Um, yeah. I love that um, it happens I... that way. I love the fact that these universes can expand beyond just here, have a gotcha game. Uh, yeah, even especially since... A lot of the scenario is often seen as window dressing for the for the parts of the game that matter, but some of these universes and scenarios have been really good. Yeah, I really like the fact that uh, the uh, World Division's uh, anime uh, trailer, it lasted two minutes and it covered some of the high points of five chapters of story. And Which there's is a lot to like in there. Pretty great. Yeah. Um, and that also um, but, kind of requires that people who are into storytelling actually tell a decent story. Exactly. Because you're um, not going to sustain an anime on bad story, and you're... Well, okay, you are absolutely going to sustain a fighting game yes. on bad story. Just look at Mortal Kombat. Um, so, like... I, I don't know. It, it just it, it feels like it's a step up in creativity from a lot of these creators, which I really appreciate. And it feels like it's in part like hard advertisement, like getting their hooks in, but also in part very strongly showing that they have more legs than just the gotcha game and eventually could transition to the non gotcha games. Like could Grand Blue Fantasy Versus become a whole fighting series? I think people will be OK with that. Question for the both of you. Would you watch an Arknight anime that looked alright? I don't know. Arknight's story doesn't really sing to me too wonderfully. I like the characters. I just 
not 100% sure how they're used. I will say this beach episode, weirdly, is kind of the best storytelling in the entire game thus far, with the exception of them throwing random conspiracy nonsense at us for no good reason. What's with Getcha Games on good beach episodes? I don't know. It's just so weird because this one actually had like a complete story largely yeah. focusing on the nature of corruption in a resort town. And I'm like, okay, that's a very interesting take. You have a guy who like made some hard decisions to make an independent town who's holding his music festival. So you have all the, like the fan service and music shenanigans, but then you also have his deputy mayor who is kind of taking those lessons and is doing some really nasty thing just for self, uh, just for self gratification. And, uh, like, it's actually a very interesting story, so I kind of feel like the Ifrit makes a sick barbecue story, since that did actually happen over the course of this story. This would this arc would actually make a pretty decent, like, three or four episode arc of something. It's probably the best storytelling in the game thus far. Most of the story thus far has been a bunch of military stuff that doesn't actually make a whole lot of sense, and all the tactics they talk about in scenes are completely pointless, considering the fact that none of these characters actually move in gameplay. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it gets real old real fast. Let me tell you, that makes me like so much the fact that uh, in uh, FFB and World Divisions we have uh, actual sprites moving around and units moving around yeah. the battlefield. Like, yeah. The story is probably uh, not that much better, but the presentation of the story makes it much easier to swallow. Presentation's good. We like presentation. Exactly. Des? Yeah, I'd watch an Arsenic anime. I think their story has been um, pretty decent so, so far. Um, you know, filling out the story would be good, I think. Um, but, you know, I, I would be at least interested in, in watching it. And, you know, if I liked it, I'd continue. There's one thing, now that I think of it, that's that intrigues me, hmm. and this applies uh, to Arknights and to uh, uh, Fates as well, which is that uh, the player is uh, a character you never see. Yes. Uh, so, of course, Arknight is purely hypothetical, but how did that work out uh, in uh, Fates, I wonder, did they have a standing, or did they just let the story unfold without this? No, the the master is there. Unfortunately, okay. because of the rules of Fate, you actually need to have a master around. Uh, yeah. Even if in like Fate Extella, that character was a borderline non-character outside of internal narration. Um, but I do know what's this guy's name? Ritsuko, something like that. He has a default name default appearance he does actually show up as a character okay yeah. so there is that john default man uh, yes as part of the story. um Basically, yeah the doctor in arc knights is similar similarly lacking in characterization and could probably more easily actually be ignored and just replaced with calcet or even a mia um oh and hear me out Given the situation he is in at the start, we just replace it with a sprite of Bedman from Guilty Gear. Sure. Wait, oh, is it Blast Blue? You know, you probably know more about Guilty Gear than I do. Uh, yeah. I mean, one of the uh, Axis system 
has a character that is in a heavily weaponized hospital bed. Well, there we go. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess using the character himself is possible, but isn't required, I think. You could probably get away with not doing so much easier than you could in Fate, which actually has a system in place that requires at least one human to be present. Yeah. And that's I cannot been the dislike case since... this uh, invisible protagonist uh, thing in scenario. I much prefer the way uh, FFB uh, and World of Visions do Yeah, actual with, characters? Uh, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I could, I could go on about how sick I am of uh, how sick I am of silent protagonists for that exact reason. Yeah. Hard same. But that that's neither here nor there. Um... Yeah, no, I um I like seeing these expand out, and I like seeing new ways of doing a universe, even if a fate cooking visual novel is not what I had in mind. <laughs> <laughs> that's not Grand Order, that's just a thing that exists for some inexplicable reason. Yep. Still better than Prismailia. I'll take your word for it? Yes. Uh, <laughs> just yes <laughs> oh yes just yes and nothing more uh, it's basically a magical girl anime by people who obviously hate what magical girls anime are I don't know that kind of sounds like it's up my alley at this point if they hate it because I, uh, I also hate it I, I highly doubt it's up your alley fair uh, enough I don't know. No. I don't watch, like, any anime. I gave up on that years ago. I haven't watched one in a while, but I like them every now and then. And uh, I certainly could uh, see myself watching uh, some uh, animes for uh, gachas uh, I play or have played. Well, I might actually do, um, like, a watch party over Discord for the Fate one, just because it's so fascinating how they do it. I'd like to report back on it. And uh, I know there's uh, also some uh, of the rhythm gacha games that are very idol-centric, uh, that have a lot of game and anime synergy too, with several seasons over. It's really not my scene, even though I... No, but because... several seasons is pretty impressive no matter how you slice it, especially yeah. in anime land. I love my rhythm games, but I have an immense hatred for idol culture. Right. Well, I'm half there with you. I definitely don't... I'm okay on rhythm games. It's not my favorite thing, but I'm right there with you on disliking most of the Japanese music industry. Yeah. But, um... That's neither here nor there. <laughs> The short version is, I'm really happy for anything that branches out into more than just being a money-grubbing gotcha game, and I hope it makes some good works out of it and kind of shows off the creative juices of some of these creators, because I think having to push the envelope like that to support an actual show is is an evolution that I think is borderline necessary. Yeah, because f even for a gacha game, there's a lot of talent at work. Yeah. Uh, and not all of it is the same. The game designers and those that make the monetary decisions are on the ones that design the sprites and animations and the ones that write the stories. And there's a lot of good stuff, even in some games we might dislike. 
I remember in particular Last Claudia, which had some amazing graphics. Yeah. Uh, but got completely torpedoed by the way it uh, went full greed. Yeah, the monetization strategy. And I would make a serious argument for Valkyrie Anatomia as well. That's been kind of our poster child for how to mess up a gacha game. Um, Absolutely. The story and characters and graphics are all really wonderful. Oh, and yeah. Yeah. My god, I could live on that remix of Mission from Deep Space that plays in uh, Seraphicate. Yeah. So, like, clearly there's some good stuff going in there. And having the ability to uh, experience it in uh, other games, other, other animes, uh, other anything, really. Yeah. Uh, is... Uh, some times, even if it's just uh, merchandising, I mean, you have a statuette from a game that isn't there anymore. Yes, a statue that's busted like completely now, and I really need to repair it. In fact, Arknight's predecessor game. Yeah, ages. Yeah. I, I need to get Natalie repaired. I need her back on my desk. The androids are lonely. <laughs> she needs some maintenance. Yeah. Yeah, we need to literally put her foot back on. Oof. Yeah, it completely broke finally. So right now she's sitting in an audio gear box, which has a lot of like padding because audio gear is sensitive. That's yeah. sitting in my closet. Well, at least you won't degrade more. Yes, which I am happy about. <laughs> now, I shall we move on to the other topic? Yeah, let's go ahead and move on to our final topic of the day, which is holy crap, we're a year old. Our other topic is us. Us. <laughs> we exist. Yeah, and we have continued existing for a year. And I am going to start uh, off by saying, Rana, I want to thank you in particular because you've been really kind of the torchlight for this show for the last three or four months. Oh, yeah. Especially since uh, Kite has been... Kite's been yeah. MIA, Ryan yeah. left, I don't really play the genre anymore, and I'm kind of scrambling to catch up with people nearly every episode. Um, yeah. And you kind of taken this, like, leadership position to keep the show going that I, for one, really appreciate, because I probably would have folded it months ago if not for that. I mean, it comes down to something simple. Even if I don't like taking charge or anything like that, uh, I just discovered the uh, the podcast as a listener and was interested uh, in it uh, first uh, as uh, yeah as a listener and then wanted to uh, have a hand in it and help in it so I kept hinting and nudging at it until things uh, turned out and I was uh, uh, and I came on as a temporary guest for yeah. literally every episode that followed, save one or two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then finally we're just like, all right, well, his temporariness can end now. Let's just let's just hire yeah. the guy. And uh, yeah, the, ultimately, I'm invested not because uh, I want to. Uh, I just uh, want to uh, take charge or anything, but because. What we're discussing is something that I like and that I don't really hear about anywhere else. Which, I, there's room for that. I just, I wish I personally yeah. had more to contribute, but unfortunately due to my spending habits when I first started this show and how bad that ended up getting, I can't risk it. 
And uh, that's an important point because I think the podcast probably make the decision to stop even harder yeah. on you. And uh, I've said it before and I've said it again. Uh, that was a really solid, really courageous decision on your part to uh, put yourself and your health and your financially, uh, financial and mental health first on that. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was really, really tough on me. And Yeah, because 150 Orlando shards say the sunk cost fallacy is pretty fierce. I'm not gonna lie, I yeah. looked at the shop rates a yep. couple of times. Yeah, that's a bad one. That is, I am really not happy with it. I've been hearing about War of the Visions monetization, and I, if I had gotten into that game, if I'd kept going unabated and gotten into that game, I would have been in serious financial trouble. My credit card oh, would yeah, have been no. an absolute disaster. I could tell from day one, this game is not for you, no matter how cool the main scenario is. Yeah, and you were nice enough to flat out tell me. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm very happy with the work we've done on this podcast, even despite all the difficulties. I'm I love the audience. I love the topics. I love being able to talk about them in an abstract sense, and I'm glad I have enough game knowledge about some of these games to be able to still participate in the discussion. Yeah, and uh, the fact that we have a diversity of games that we occasionally have uh, something we jump on for one or two episodes is also something I really like. Because as I've uh, said before, there's uh, uh, the Global Exclusive, which is an FFBE-only podcast, and yeah. it's great, by the way. Uh, but uh, that's uh, uh, this one aims to be a bit more broad, and we try to have uh, guests come on to talk about their games, because the catcher world is very broad, yeah. and uh, hell. Even myself, I've played some games that qualify that I haven't talked about yet in this podcast because well, there's so many. I never talked about the time uh, I played Puzzles and Dragons, which oh, is a pretty big one. We should talk about that one. Didn't yeah, that, I mean, it's, does that one just wrap, or am I thinking of something else? Uh, I don't know. I think it may have done so in global. Uh, and it's interesting in many aspects. First, because of how early of a hit it was. Yeah. And because uh, it released uh, on the 3DS a version, well, two versions even of the game that had the mechanics of the game, but without the gacha. Yeah, which is kind of incredible, and that actually borderline I, makes I you want to try it. I have games, actually. And, uh, How do they stack up? Uh, they're pretty nice. I haven't tried the uh, Puzzles and Dragons themed one, but I finished the one that had uh, Mario characters. Oh, oh no. The, the Yoshi team was really good, by the way. The Yoshi team. Oh, goodness oh, gracious. Yeah. Oh, somewhere Grand Pooh Bear is rolling in his not grave. <laughs> I mean, he's playing Spelling Key right now, so he may very well... Uh, be in a grave one way or another. Fair! But yeah, uh, and I one thing I also really like about the tone of the show is the fact that we talk about, about games we play, but without giving them a pass for the 
terrible things this game have a deservedly bad reputation for. No, uh, and that's actually, that actually be, was a big part of one of the reasons, like, we keep talking about this, but that was actually one of the big reasons why I stopped playing gotcha games, because the more I actually had to objectively analyze them and realize just how skeevy some of them could be, I started kind of turning against the genre and started kind of realizing, wait, there are problems here that I'm part of and I kind of want to not be. Yeah, because that's a big community aspect with uh, uh, making things work even on a design and financial point. Because it's a weird genre where instead of every cell mattering the same as every other, yeah, most of the people that play the game work as advertisers for the ones that really matter, uh, the heavy spenders. Right. Which is, again, a kind of a skeevy business model that I'm not a huge fan of. Yeah. And again, that's kind of one of the reasons why I like Arknights, because it is, like, I don't even know what a whale would wail on in this game. And, uh, one of the, I mean, we've had in the last bit of discussion a lot of hesitation. Some of it probably going to be cut out, but there's been a lot of sentences that ended in question mark because ultimately the topic, even though gacha games have no be around for a long enough time to have died for a fair amount of them and have a whole life cycles yeah. and generations, uh, it's still a subject that is not very well known because it's not very well discussed. No. It's either, oh, gacha game, not interested, period. Or it's, well, I'm playing this one, and there's these tons of isolated communities mm -hmm. which ultimately don't really bring the discussion forward on the genre as a whole, which has a lot of dis putable elements, but uh, also there's there's some quality in them. There's some artfulness in them. There's yeah. some interesting game designs in a lot of those. I really like the battle system in Terror Battle, for instance. Yeah, that was really neat. I remember that. Yeah. And uh, there, so there's... It's a topic that probably, given the investment of many should be discussed more, and I think I'm really glad to be uh, on board or something that helps bring this discussion forward. Well, thank you for being a part of it, such an important part of it, and I want to yeah. thank the other regular members as well. I want to thank Ryan, who sadly, I tried to get him back for this one really up to the wire, but I think he's working or something. He never got back to us. He was able to come back recently, and I want to thank, of course, Kite, who was the other co-founder with me and Ryan on this thing. God, we need to get him back. I don't, do I have to, like, fly to the Philippines and hand him a headset? Like, what's the game here? I don't think it's the best time to fly, but... Uh, Probably not, not, but at this point, me. like, I'm almost willing to do yeah. it. And, obviously, I want to thank Des, who stepped in um, as a as a regular, effectively, for the last several weeks as well. Absolutely. Keeping the show going. Um, yeah, and uh, keep, given that uh, I don't personally uh, play Arknights, I think the discussions between you two really help uh, drive forward uh, a lot of the interesting aspects of the game, especially when uh, 
compelling strategies or compelling rosters or thing, or things like that. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 always good to have that bounce around. When I first conceived of this show, I conceived it as a three to four person round table from the ground up. Like that was always the plan. I didn't want it to be two people talking in a mic the whole time. Uh, the last thing I want to hear is an echo chamber. Um, yeah, and we've had plenty of uh, differing opinions over time. Oh, yeah. And that's great. That's terrific. That's the whole point. Exactly. Because we don't need to agree on every single thing to be colleagues, co-podcasters, or friends for that matter. Yeah, very much agreed. And that's kind of the beauty of a show like this, that we can talk about things in an open environment and be like, well, I think this is great. Well, I don't. So, and it's, we get those contrasting opinions to let you, the viewer, you, the listener, make those decisions as informed as we can for you. We hope to provide the tools for you to make your own decisions and your own understanding. Yep. Because yep. it's a tricky genre to navigate really is and the more tools you have to navigate it the better off you are going to be as a player and uh, i personally look forward to continue being this support and to continue talk about things i experience and that take a lot of time of my life uh, yeah for sure for the coming year and beyond here's to another year let's see if we can make that let's see if we can make that shine and that, I think, is a good place as any to wrap up. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will be back next week with more of the games you love to hate. Thank you again so much for watching us for this long, crazy, insane year. Y'all are fantastic, guys. Have a good one. For listening to us, too. Yes, indeed. Thank you all. We'll see you in the future.